You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Before we begin, would you turn to the person who is nearest to you or within your, within your region and offer them the sign of peace? No, before you do that, you can offer the sign of peace in one of three ways. You can, if you know them well, get up and give them a hug, even a kiss on the cheek if you know them well. If you don't know them so well, you can offer the stiff hand of fellowship. But if you're really cool, you can just offer them the sign of peace, man. So will you please turn to the person next to you and offer them the sign of peace. Now, the reason that we've got no slideshow for this morning is because our computer has decided to have its air vents fail. Uh, it doesn't appear to be cooling, so we may have a slide. We may have a slideshow in the second service. And if you're down in Cafe Church and you're tuning into us, I want to assure you this: you ain't missing nothing. Okay, you're going to miss nothing with a slideshow this morning. But I want to talk this morning and take on the challenge of preaching with a slideshow. And because of that, I don't have any clocks, so I'm not going to set a clock as well. Forgive me, put on my countdown timer here. And when this goes off my pocket. I'll know that it's time to stop, or you may fall asleep first, okay, we're going to, it's going to boot up, it's going to last for about 30 seconds, and it's going to shut down again, trust me, it's what's been going on all morning, there's not a lot I can do about it, you know, I want to talk this morning about, a, from a passage in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, I spoke about it last year, around this time last year, it's the appearance of the angels to the shepherds, and there's something in the middle of that story that very often is completely overlooked, there's something in that story that people don't really pay an awful lot of attention to in the appearance of the angels. But in the appearance of the angels and the declaration of the arrival of Jesus Christ, God is saying something a little bit more than that there's a lovely baby laid in a manger somewhere. And there's a little bit more going on than just a choir of angels appearing singing in the heavenlies. Very often in the depictions of, of the story of Christmas, and especially in the depictions of the appearance of the angels, the images kind of put up there that kind of an angel appeared, and then it was like, oh, and it was all this kind of routine going on. Let's see, let's see if this works, okay? Let's see if this works. We'll see in a second. Um, it's often depicted there was like lots of singing angels and the, the sky was full of singing and I've no doubt but that the sky was full of singing. And it can be all kind of quite gentle and kind of Christmassy and kind of featherful. It was all these winged feathers kind of, you know, around the place. It was like after pigeon, a cat had caught a pigeon, there was feathers everywhere when they went off up into the heavens. And we can create this image that was all kind of cuddly and nice and soft up there on the mountainside. But it wasn't anything but cuddly and soft up there on the mountainside, because they were coming to declare the birth of the Prince of Peace. They were coming to declare the birth of the Prince of Peace. And we think, oh, the birth of the Prince of Peace, oh, the Prince of Peace, it's a lovely soft idea. But the Prince of Peace was not a soft idea. And what he came to announce was not a soft plan. This was not the gentle peacefulness of sitting by a stream somewhere, reading a book or listening to birdsong in the sky. There was something much more profound going on in the declaration of this Prince of Peace. Let's look at what the scriptures have to say. Let's begin in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and let's just hope and pray that the computer lasts for the next few minutes, and if it doesn't, I'll pick it up from here now. This is what it says. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
Now, why were they so terrified? You'd imagine that the presence of an angel, kind of peaceful angels. I mean, you go downtown, you can go into a, a shop or you can buy kind of some new age story about an angel and all the angels are really nice and that kind of stuff. And kind of angels are very polite and kind of friendly people really generally. That's the depiction of angels is quite soft, if you will. But when these guys saw the angel of the Lord, they were terrified. Something fearful was happening into this quiet, silent, peaceful night, if you will, into this cold, possibly wet evening up on the mountains, outside the, uh, up on the hills outside Bethlehem. They see these angels breaking through, and it's a cause for terror. They brick themselves up on the hillside at the appearance of these angels. It goes on to say, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Wrapped in cloths. I always say clothes. Wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, if you were up on that hillside, I'd imagine that it must have been just the angels. I'd say those people lying in bed, you know, Abigail and Joshua are lying in bed, kind of a couple of miles away, and Abigail wakes up and says, Did you hear that? Hear what? Did you hear the singing? They were singing. I didn't hear any singing. And then just over across the way, uh, Rebecca and Ariel were lying in bed. And Ariel pokes Rebecca and says, Rebecca, do you hear that? Can you hear that noise? And they're singing in the sky. They're singing in the air. And what they're singing is glory to God in the highest and peace on earth on those on whom his favor rests. What was actually going on here, brothers and sisters, I put, put to you, is that when you see the words, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. If you look into the Old Testament, the appearance of the heavenly host, this term host, and I've left it up there deliberately, because I want to explain it. You read it very often. The stuff says the Lord of hosts. The heavenly host were the angel armies of heaven. So when this great host appeared, you were looking at the armies of heaven appearing in the sky, singing a war song. They were singing a song of battle. This, brothers and sisters, was no gentle little kind of Bethlehem scene. This was an invasion and nothing more and nothing less than an invasion. What you were seeing here was the armies of God appearing in the hills up over Bethlehem. And it isn't any wonder the poor shepherds needed counseling after it because they were terrified at the sight and at the sound of this. And the song that they sang was absolutely incendiary. The song that they sang was dangerous. They sang the song, glory to God in the highest and in peace and peace on earth on those in whom his favor rests. But further back, let me go back to what the, what the angel had said. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. The good news was often the declaration of a long distant victory in the Roman Empire. For instance, when, um, when um, uh, Julius Caesar finally won and took over the empire, as it were, won and took the empire for Rome, it was declared in the city of Rome as good news. There has been a victory from afar. 
So the declaration of good news was one that was associated with the Roman emperors. It goes on to say, somebody has been born to you. He is your savior. The emperor, Augustus, was known as the savior of Rome. He was also known as the Lord. He was the first one. There goes the PowerPoint. It's on the verge. It's going to go any second now. He was the first one to be declared the true emperor of Rome. And so when these angels appeared, they're announcing the emperor of heaven is coming to dominate the emperor of Rome. He is coming to overthrow the kingdoms of this world. And you know, the scripture tells us, for this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one. The prince of peace was coming. But peace is normally something that follows war. Because God recognized that we were all at war. We were at war with God. We were at war with one another. We were at war with ourselves. So when the Prince of Peace comes, he comes to end the war between us and God, between us and each other, and between us and ourselves. He comes to end the war. Isaiah the prophet 700 years earlier had prophesied, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Listen to these words, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The declaration of the owner of the peace, I'm sure you would have heard the term before, Pax Romana. Augustus was known as the king of peace. Why did he bring peace? Because he killed everybody who got in his way. That's how he brought peace. He went in and he conquered places. And then they had what was known as Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire. How did they achieve this peace? By fighting war. That's how they achieved the peace. Do you know that Jesus Christ came as the Prince of Peace to bring you peace? To bring peace to your life, to bring peace to your heart, to bring peace to your relationships. But he did that by waging war. That's how he did it. That's not very Christmassy, Mike. But it is. That's how he achieved peace, by waging war. He was pierced. For our transgressions, wrote the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He waged war so that we could have peace with God. He came and he was crucified an act of war. It says, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says that Jesus Christ made a mockery of the powers of darkness in his crucifixion. He mocked them because it was a triumph over them. They thought that they had defeated him, but it was actually he had defeated them. And the whole purpose was so that we would have peace with God. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know there are people in this building this morning, whether they're down in Cafe Church, whether they're up here in the center, whether they're up in the atrium at the moment, I don't know. There are people inside this building who are at war with God. Maybe they're at war with God because they've never come to know God personally. If you haven't, I encourage you. He came to be your savior. He came to make peace with you and to broker peace between you and God. Accept that peace in Jesus' name. Invite him in. Accept that peace in Jesus' name this morning. I know there's others who are probably at war with God because their lives haven't gone very well. 
or because since you became a Christian, instead of things getting easier, things appear to have actually gotten worse. And there's kind of a bit of an issue between you and God because you kind of thought the thing was going to work out really better than this, but it hasn't really worked out as well as you'd hoped. And maybe there's an issue. Maybe there's a disappointment with God going on. But he came to bring us peace. I love it says the punishment, sorry, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Do you know, here's the thing. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. So then why on earth do we keep on punishing ourselves? Because I meet so many people week in, week out, and they're punishing themselves with guilt and their own failures and their own faults and the things that they could have done and what they should have done and what they didn't do and what they should have done. I've done it myself so many times. But the truth of it is, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. We don't have to punish ourselves anymore. I don't know about you lads, but I think that's good news. We don't have to suffer in guilt. We don't have to suffer with, with uh, we, we don't have to suffer trials or uncertainty. We don't have to suffer them anymore because the punishment that brought us peace was on him. It was God's intention, first of all, to broker peace between us and him. His intention also was to, to break peace, uh, to cause peace to break out between us and each other. It's nice to live in peace with people. Would anyone say amen? But you know, making peace with people is not always that much fun. I can't remember which one of the uh, Israeli negotiators back along the way was really getting a ribbing over one of the... Uh, a ribbing is a, a slight understatement. He was getting hammered for trying to broker a peace settlement with the Palestinians. And his retort was very simple. He said, we don't make peace with our friends. We make peace with our enemies. Sometimes we can have enemies. Anybody here ever have an enemy? Hmm. No, you're all too nice. No, I'm far too nice. I've never had an enemy in my life, I swear. I mean, honestly, like, everybody just loves me. I'm surprised they don't throw petals in front of me as I walk around. I'm so peaceful. I guarantee you, you have had an enemy. You've had an enemy. But God does not intend you to live that way and to live as one with a load of enemies. Would anyone say amen? In fact, his intention for us is to live, wait for the verse... If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hey! But don't forget the first two clauses. If it is possible, and so far as it depends on you. If Mrs. McGurk down the road doesn't like you and has turned a certain way against you. I had a neighbor once who fell out with me. I can't name her, Mrs. McCarthy. I can't name her. But I remember one day I was out playing with my kids on the green near my home. And, you know, this woman, I don't know, she just didn't like me. It's hard to believe, isn't it? She just didn't like me. Isn't that right, Mrs. McCarthy? She obviously had problems. So I was playing with my kids and we were playing, we were playing rugby. You know, I, I, I confess sometimes I play rugby with my kids. I even still do it now today. But they were small and we were playing kids. And she walked out and she was walking her dog. And she was walking around with her dog. And the more, the more I played with my kids, the kind of stiffer her walk got. And she was kind of letting the dog kind of, kind of come closer to us. You know, when these kind of, sorry, forgive, sorry about the noise. You know, and, and, she was, and it was a big dog and she'd kind of come past us and let the dog come closer. And eventually she couldn't take it anymore. She says, what are you like playing with children? <laughs> Mine. My children. She said, your children. Have you got a small brain? 
I do have a small brain. She just took it against me. Whatever notion she got into her head, she just didn't like poor old Michael. And I never did nothing to her. So about a couple of years later, I waited a good couple of years. I grinded my axe for a couple of years. But you know, a couple of years later, we were just in some situation. I can't even remember how the situation came out. And we ended up bumping into each other absolutely face to face. It was one of those moments of, now is your chance to spit in my eye, sister. And I said to her, I won't say her name. I'll just use another name. I said to her, Condoleezza. How are you getting on? And how's your dog? I heard he was sick. Well, said my dog, the dog was very sick. She just went on and talked with the dog. Shh, don't tell anyone. I couldn't give a fiddlers about her dog. I didn't like her dog. But I asked her how her dog was, and it's amazing. She just completely changed. She just transformed. Do you know, all I did was just kind of just show her a bit of kindness and just ask her how she was, and she transformed, and suddenly the man with the small brain who plays rugby with the kids became Mr. Nice Guy. If it is possible, no, sometimes it's not possible to live at peace with some people. Some people just have worn their hearts. Even David said it. David said, I am, oh, how I hate living amongst the tents of Kedark. It doesn't matter. It's a long explanation. He says, they are for war, but I am for peace. I hate living amongst them. Sometimes you're just going to be in a situation where people are for war, and there's very little you can do about it. But sometimes there's something you can do about it, and insofar as it depends on you, the intention of the Prince of Peace is that you live at peace with as many as possible. But above all else, to live at peace with fellow Christians. Would anyone say amen. So insofar as it depends on you, what are the ways in which we can live at peace with other people? Well, one of the number one ways is not to get our own way in every situation. Would any of the women say amen? <laughs> Let's move on. Not getting your way all the time. If you always have to have your way, you're not going to live in a peaceful way. Isn't that right, brothers? Would any of the men say amen? amen? Yes. Sometimes it's important to not always get your own way. Or even just to get your own way once in a while. This can be very important. That's one of the ways, if you will, to surrender. James, writing to the early Christians, said... That the peace that comes from above is first of all, sorry, the love that comes from above is first of all peace-loving, it is gentle and kind, and he says, and it also gives way to other people. You don't always have to be first. You want to live at peace with people? Let other people go first. Would anyone say amen? When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. In fact, it says in one of the older versions, when people's lives please the Lord, he causes even their enemies to live at peace with them. Does anybody want to live in peace? I want to live in peace. He came that we would have peace with God, peace with one another. And you know the last thing he, calls, he wants us to have? Peace with ourselves. Peace within. Peace with others, peace with him, and peace within. Paul gives advice to the Philippian church. I've quoted these verses a million times. Forgive me if I quote them again, but I think they really, really are important. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to the early Christians. He says, don't worry about anything. Thank you, Dara. I was hoping somebody would say amen. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? 
everything. You mean everything? Everything, everything, everything for you. Everything. Pray about everything. Should I wear the black jocks? This? No, everything. Pray about everything. Don't be worrying about it. Tell God what you need. Amen. Amen. And thank him for all he has done. Oh, lads, can I just say to you, when you go into pray, as I go into pray, when you go into pray, don't let it all be just a, and can I have brown shoes for Christmas and I'd love lovely Christmas cards and have good lovely Christmas lights for Christmas to be lovely, Lord, and make sure the turkey is lovely and bone and rolled. You know, make sure there's some thanksgiving in there as well. Amen. Make sure you give thanks. Remember all the Lord has done for you. Do not forget all his benefits, the scripture tells us. Anyway, don't worry about it. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And then he says something very interesting. He says, then you will experience God's peace that exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He will guard your hearts and guard your minds if you live in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing. You cannot go to the local Christian bookstore and buy a bottle of God's peace. You can't just get it. God's peace isn't like something going to McDonald's. I'll have a, can I have a medium joy, a large peace, and a side portion of power, please? It just doesn't work like that. There's an integration about these verses that's very often missed out. You see, if somebody, the, the idea of God's peace is not some kind of like, magic peace of God has fallen on me. That's not what it's talking about, okay? You need to get the kind of magic-y, misty kind of, ooh. It's a bit like in Star Trek, you don't go and stand in a machine and get, ooh, the peace of God has just lifted up off me. That's not how the peace of God works. It's not how the peace of God works. How does the peace of God work? His intention is that we would have peace of mind and peace of heart. Now, how are we going to have that peace of mind? The simple way that we have that peace of mind is if we put our minds on him who always shows up. That's what we need to do. The Bible calls him the faithful one. If we keep our minds fixed on the faithful one, if he is the object of our faith, regardless of our circumstances, this Paul was able to say this, and this is true, so many Christians have testified, regardless of your circumstances, if you can keep your eyes fixed on the faithful one, you will have peace of mind. You will actually have peace of mind. Imagine, imagine right, just, just take, a, take a leap. Imagine you believed in a God who knew everything. Just take, you know, take a leap. Imagine you believed in a God who had all the power of the universe at his disposal. Imagine you knew a God who loves you more than you love yourself, more than your mother ever loved you. Imagine you knew a God who only ever acted in your best interest. Imagine that. Ima I'm, I'm like John Lennon, imagine there's a God. I'm, mm, that song drives me sweatless. Anyway, Imagine for a second there is a God who causes everything in your life to work out for your best. Does anybody know a God like that? He is the faithful one. Does anybody know a God like that? Because I know a God like that. And I know this, when I bring my things to him, I get peace of mind, not because some magic formula comes upon my head. The peace of mind I get, I get because I know that he actually is in control, has all the power of the universe, always acts in my best interest, and thankfully still loves me. 
He knows me, but he still loves me. How do, we, how do we have the peace of God in our heart, if you will, the seat of our affections? Well, we need to keep that Jesus Christ before us. We need to see him as he is. Then he'll take our hearts. We needn't worry about our hearts getting troubled. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. Don't worry about the situation. Don't let your hearts get upset. I've got it all in hand. If Jesus, the real Jesus, is the real object of our real faith, then we will have peace of mind and peace of heart. It's a bit like, let me give you an illustration. You get onto a plane. You get onto a plane up in Cork Airport and says, Good morning, welcome aboard flight 17444. We're going to be flying to London. Uh, I am pilot Michael O'Donovan. Uh, just to let you know, I've got no experience in ever flying a plane. <laughs> Though I did have a very good fighter plane game on PlayStation. Uh, I wasn't the champion at it. My baby brother was better, but he's not available to fly the plane today. Please sit back and make yourself comfortable as I try and figure out how to make this thing work. As we hurtle down the runway at 400 miles an hour, I'm sure I'll figure it out somehow. No, you wouldn't exactly be comfortable getting on that plane. Did you get there? Could you hear me there? You could? You wouldn't exactly be comfortable getting on that plane, would you? Like, you know, like, there's, a movie, there's, a, there's, a, there's a movie out at the moment called Sully. And it's the story of the pilot who landed this plane that basically had massive engine failure. And he landed it in the Hudson River in New York. And, you know, he kind of landed it and saved all 155 people on board. Like, and the guy is just an absolute hero. Like, you know? And they kind of said, well, you know, what do you think of being a hero? He says, well, I, you know, sorry, I was going to give it <laughs> I was just doing my job. Like, if I get on a plane, I would love it to say, Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I am Captain Sully. Yes, my. This is going to be a good flight. Everything's going to go okay. He knows what he's doing. But Captain Jerry, who has no flight experience, who once flew a kite outside in his back garden, isn't something that I trust in. And that's the thing. The peace that we have on the plane of life depends on our confidence in the pilot who's flying the plane. Yeah? Do you know what I'm saying? What's the confidence that you have in the pilot of your life. How focused are you on that pilot? The peace of God, it goes on to say, his peace will guard your hearts and minds you and mind you. Sorry, your peace, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The key was the living in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is not available to those who don't know him. It just isn't. The peace of God and the peace, the peace of mind and the peace of heart that God intends is not available to those who do not know him. It's that simple. If you don't know him this morning, invite him into your heart. Get to know that peace. Make that peace with God. Give it the opportunity to make peace with others. This is what the prophet Isaiah yet again said. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus said, He will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You see, we were at war with God, but He made peace. We could be at war with our neighbors, but he intends us to live in peace. We may be at war with ourselves, but he has provided peace. But the peace, all of those pieces come together and make one peace only through this. By fixing our minds on Jesus Christ. 
That is the only way we will ever walk in and ever live in the peace that God intends. So when the angels appeared and they sang and they probably bore their heavenly swords when this army of heaven invaded and declared the coming of the Prince of Peace. It was an invasion to end the war that we have with one another, with ourselves, and with God. Jesus finally said, this is my last verse, Jesus finally said to his own disciples in John's Gospel, he said, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind, and peace of heart. And the peace I give as a gift, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is, guys, this morning that makes you troubled or makes you afraid, take it to Jesus Christ. Bring it before him. I challenge you, get on your knees and bring it before him. Bring it before him and leave it with him and look to him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, Paul would later write to the early Christians. You will know that peace. You needn't be troubled or afraid. If you've got trouble or you've got fear in relation to your neighbor, the person who is closer to you or someone that you love and you want to make peace, don't be troubled or afraid. Act, pray, and act. Would anyone say amen? amen. We have no need to be troubled and we have no need to be afraid. I commit to you, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this Christmas time, we celebrate the coming of the Prince of Peace. Remember this, our God is a warrior God. He fights on our behalf. He fights on our behalf. He sends his angels to encamp around us. He causes us not to strike our foot against a stone. Let's look to him. Let's fix our eyes on him this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will we stand and pray? Can I get the worship team to come up, guys? Give me a junk out of the way. Can I encourage you this morning? Let's bring our hearts before God. We're going to sing in a few seconds. Can I invite you to close your eyes just for a second? I want to pray for three things. If you're here this morning... You're here this morning and you know that you don't have that peace with God that you should have. Maybe you have been walking with God for some time, but relationship has broken down and you're just showing up. Maybe relationship has come to an end or been broken up for some reason. Or maybe you have never known Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never in, you've never had peace with God. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to be part of your life. If you want to make peace with God this morning, can I invite you with all the eyes closed in the room just to raise your hand. I won't be naming your calling names. If you want to make peace with God this morning, I invite you to raise your hand. I see your hands, guys. Okay, you can put your hands back down, guys. That's good. Thank you. See those seven or eight people who want to make their peace with God. Now, while you have your eyes closed, if you need this morning and you recognize that you need to make peace with your neighbor, now your neighbor could be the wife or the husband lying in the bed next to you. It could be your child downstairs. Your neighbor could be the person living next door or someone you work with. It might be a fellow student. It might be a lecturer, but you recognize, Lord, I just need to make peace with that person. Will you give me the power and the strength to make that peace this morning? Can I invite you to raise your hand? 
You need to make peace this morning with a neighbor, with an enemy, if you will. And lastly, you can just keep your hands in the air. Lastly, I just want to pray. If you want to pray this morning and say, Lord, let your peace guard my mind and guard my heart as I follow you towards the end of this year, Lord. Let your peace guard my heart and guard my mind, Lord. I do not want to be troubled and I do not want to be afraid, but I want your peace to guard my heart and my mind. Please let your peace come upon me this morning. If you want to pray that prayer, would you raise your hand? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for all of those this morning who sincerely raise their hand, Lord, for those who want to make peace with you, Lord, I pray that even now their prayers will be offered to heaven, Lord God, that you would hear their prayers, Lord, Lord, that a peace will be broken, that they would walk in the peace that you intended for us to walk in. Lord, I pray for those who are looking to make peace with their enemies, with their neighbor, maybe with their relative. Maybe it could be their husband or wife, Lord. I don't know. You know. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have strength to make peace, Lord. The humility that's required to make peace. The surrender that is sometimes required to make peace, Lord. I pray that you would give us that ability, Lord. I pray that we would broker a peace. And we would be able to do so because of your power and your spirit living within us. Would anyone say amen? And I want to pray lastly, Lord. For us as your people, Lord, in this coming season, Lord, I pray that we would know the peace of God guarding our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray for any who have troubled hearts or troubled minds this morning, Lord. I pray your peace would guard them, Lord, as they look to you, as they fix their eyes on you, as they fix their minds on you. Your word says you keep in perfect peace all whose minds are fixed on you, Lord, and all of the hassle and all the trouble and all the stuff that goes on at this time of the year, Lord, I pray, Lord, that our minds and our hearts would be fixed on you. Lord God, I pray that the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ would dwell richly in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all lift our hands as we close this morning. Let's just lift our hands as we close this morning. Then the guys are going to sing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But let's just lift our hands in a moment. Fathers, we go from here this morning. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't go out the door and be like some car that goes through a car wash that goes in one side dirty and comes out the other side clean and everything that was in the past is now forgotten, Lord. I pray that we would take your word with us. Would anyone say amen? I pray, Lord, we would take your presence with us. Would anyone say amen? And I pray we would take your purpose with us as we go into the coming week. Watch over us and keep us, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said aloud. Amen. Praise God. God bless and keep you, brothers and sisters. We're done for now. The guys are going to sing Hack the Herald Angel upstairs for tea and coffee and fellowship. And we'll see you again next Sunday morning by the grace of God. Go in peace. Amen. Ah.